What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Easy Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Rudy. This week, Colt, myself, and Chase, we sit down and discuss our trips that we just got back from. Colt and I, we spent 10 days in Illinois. Chase and his dad just spent a few days in West Texas. And man, all in all, it was a great trip. I mean, I can't complain at all. It was really one of those trips that kind of everything you could ask for, it happened in this trip. You know, there was a lot of struggle for me on public land. This is the third year that I went to this particular piece. And I was just a step behind the eight ball pretty much every day. Uh, The sign that I ended up getting on the first few days, I should have been hunting there the last few days. And the sign that I got on the last few days of the hunt, I should have been on on the first few days. So I I don't want to say I really struggled, which I did. But I I mean, I had some encounters with some good deer. Uh, I go into that in this episode. You know, I drew back on one. The wind was blowing 25, 35 miles an hour gusting. So, you know, I'm yelling at this thing to get it to stop. It's walking through, you know, a few openings at 30 plus yards. You know, it's just not something you want a chance. But all in all, I learned a lot about deer. And that's kind of my goal anytime I step on the public is to just, first of all, test myself. B is just try to find deer, get on deer. So the first day I got there, I went into this, uh, the same piece that I, same block actually that I killed the buck in last year, which is downwind of doe bedding. So the first day we had a northwest wind. I went in there, set up off the edge of bedding in this little bottom. The next day the wind switched, complete opposite, blew out of the southeast. So that kind of blew that spot. So that forced me to really go to some other places and check some other places out. So I went to another little thermal hub feature and saw bucks immediately first day I had two bucks within 20 30 yards of me saw a shooter buck that you know they, they just weren't responding to, to calls at that time it was a little early and that's that's one thing I will say is earlier than I was used to and which is a reason that I, we planned the trip to go up there around that time frame is just to experience a slightly different feel of the rut you know, pre-rut, they're not really responding to calls. You know, they're more on scrapes and they're just starting to get interested around the Halloween time frame from what I've seen anyway. I know some people would disagree, but so it was definitely interesting to get out there and kind of push myself and just get a slightly different feel for the rut. You know, I'm used to going up the first week of November. We usually go up somewhere around the 6th or so and stay till about the 14th or 15th, which is peak breeding for the particular area in Illinois that we are. So it was definitely different. You know, you'd see a good buck and you'd try to grunt or try to snort wheeze and they just were not interested at all. And I'm not sure if it was because, you know, it was public land, maybe they're call shy, which I'm sure they are to an extent. But like I say, all in all, it was a great trip. I mean, they really didn't start laying down sign until maybe the second to last day that we were there. You know, one of my entrances there was a signpost rub that I kind of kept tabs on. You know, there were two or three cedars kind of in a, in a line. And every day I would walk by, I would kind of check it out, just see if there was anything, anything fresh. Maybe they had hit it, maybe they hadn't. So the second to last day, I actually I went and pulled a stand. I was moving to a complete opposite side of the property the second to last day. And all of those signposts had been hit. Fresh scrapes, fresh rubs. I mean, the sign just blew up overnight. So it is a little bit different. And I don't think people talk about that enough. It's like how quick those phases of the rut 
transition. You know, it is literally a matter of days. They go from, you know, a transition area to where they're passing through and they're just checking doe, doe bedding areas. Maybe two or three days pass. They start laying down scrapes, start laying down rubs, start to get more aggressive. Maybe two days pass. Now all of a sudden you grunt and there's three or four bucks show up at the base of your tree. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're out there doing this is maybe maybe plan that trip where it's more in your wheelhouse, more more so of what you're used to. You know, maybe you've been there and had success doing a particular style of hunting. And that I don't think that gets talked about enough. And maybe for me, you know, obviously I can go and find the sign and, you know, but a lot of that stuff is so localized. You know, the, like the last day, I, the last hunt I made there, I found a huge scrape area. It was on the downwind side of doe bedding because the wind had switched out of the south for like three days. So in that three days, there were six or seven scrapes along this edge of doe bedding, rubs, I mean, everything you could ask for that wasn't there three days prior. So that just goes to show you how quick these things can transition and you just have to be on your toes. I mean, every day you have to be looking, you have to use your eyes and ears and pay attention to those signposts or those rubs. Maybe you walk the corner of a field edge. There's a scrape here today. Maybe there wasn't one yesterday or maybe it was freshly hit. You know, you just have to pay attention to all these little details. And by far the highlight of my trip was to see Colt actually paint an arrow red and not only did he kill a deer a booner i mean just an absolute giant of a deer and to just be there for that and to to go on that track with him and to see his face and to take the pictures and you know hang around at the camp and score the deer and you know it was just all in all it was a great trip i mean i really couldn't ask for more to go from last year so just to preface this story a little bit so last year um, the guy we go up with wicker, he was glassing the field. He had already killed a deer. So he was glassing the field from a truck, sees this huge deer walk right through the base of this field. So the next day tell Colt, Hey, you need to go get in this stand. We just saw this. I mean, he's an absolute giant, but he was limping. So we thought maybe he had gotten a fight cause we were up there a little bit later. Like I say, we're, it was, this was the 10th or 11th of November last year. So we thought maybe he had been fighting, you know, maybe he got gored, maybe he was injured, whatever. So we figured he was just passing through. Maybe he would come back. You know, he just hit a scrape. Maybe he'll come back. So Colt goes to get on the stand that evening. We're watching him walk across the field. All of a sudden, he just turns and looks at us, throws his hands up. So we're like, huh, well, I wonder what that's about. So a few minutes go by, we get a text. He was laying under my stand. So this buck had walked, hit that scrape, literally walked 15 yards inside the wood line and laid down and had been there for three plus hours by the time we were going to get into our stands that evening. So we, we had said the deer would probably go in the eighties. So the neighbor had sheds from him for two or three previous years. So we had evidence to back that up and we thought the deer was five and a half or six and a half last year. So fast forward to this year, you know, Colt goes into his experience with how the setup went and some of the things he's had happen to him, in, you know, on this trip. And so he ends up pulling the trigger on the deer, gets over there to him. Turns out it's the same deer that he jumped last year. 
and lo and behold he's a giant he's mature and uh, we taped that deer out at 171 and 7 eighths so i mean an absolute hammer of a deer I, I, the deer of a lifetime i mean i don't know how many people have ever seen a 170 inch deer on the hoof i know i haven't but with that being said i couldn't be more happy for him it really couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. I mean, he's going through <laughs> a three-year dry spell. We talk about it in some of our previous episodes. And to see him put this caliber of a deer down, I just couldn't be more happy. So Chase and his dad, they just got back from their trip in West Texas. Um, they were doing a little bit different style of hunting. If you've never been to West Texas, it is incredibly thick. Mesquite thickets, cactus, anything you can imagine. So us Southern boys... We're not accustomed to rattling, if you haven't guessed. It just doesn't work down here. I mean, you bang a set of antlers together, that deer's running to the next county. So Chase goes into that a little bit, and he talks about some of his trials and tribulations when it comes to that. It's a pretty entertaining episode. Uh, Chase's dad was able to get a nice five-and-a-half-year-old buck. He goes into that. It was a little bit of a fiasco with tracking and that sort of thing. And along with colts, he gave us some, uh, the deer colt killed. He, he gave us some loops, too. So, all in all, you know, it was just a great two weeks of hunting. You know, getting to spend time with people you love. And we talk about that some in this episode. You know, whether you kill a deer or not, who gives a damn? I mean, really. It's not about that. I I told Colt before we ever left, I said, man, I will happily eat a tag if it means you punching a tag. And I, I stand by that. So, it was just a great, great couple weeks of hunting for all of us here at Big Easy Sportsman, and I just hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We're, this is our sixth episode, and we're well over a thousand plays. I mean, that is just insane to me. I just want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for giving us a chance. Welcome to the Big Easy Sportsman Podcast. If you live and breathe hunting in the outdoors like I do, this is your show. Here we'll discuss tips and tactics to make us better hunters and better people, forever holding ourselves to a higher standard both in and out of season. Now let's get into this week's episode. We got up there Monday around 1130. Went and got our license and, you know, got everything settled. Brother headed off to go get his stuff ready. And uh, we went and checked out the farm, did a little glass, and went and rode around and checked our stands. Uh, we have a lot of stand sets that we leave up each year, so we had to go check everything out. You know, squirrels up there are bad about eating the straps off your stands. You climbing up in the dark, <laughs> the stand would just fall. But um, <laughs> So we get all that done, and about one thirty, two o'clock, we slide in the stand, and I went and hunted a stand I, we've never hunted before. Just uh, I said, I'm just going to sit over there and just see what I can see. So about 60 yards from me was uh, a licking branch tree right on the right on the edge of a creek. That's too, I mean, it's not, you could have shot it with a bow, but it would have been tough. You had a little hole about two foot by two foot that you could see through to the other side. And in a matter of about four hours, I saw four different bucks come through from different directions, walking that same trail, and they all stopped and used that, that same licking tree. They didn't have a scrape under it. I, I thought it was a scrape tree. 
But uh, they hadn't made a scrape yet, but they all stopped and run their horns around in the branches, licked it, you know, rubbed their foreheads on it, did all the whole deal. And uh, it was just too far from the stand. So I wound up seeing, like, I don't know, those four bucks and four or five does come through, and everything was in, you know, all within about 20 yards of that same branch. That's how they were using it. You know, two bedding areas come in there and make two corners, and it's this little 30-yard section of open woods between the two of them, and that licking branch was right in the middle. So uh, I seen a pretty – the last deer I saw was, a, I mean, a good deer, a uh, deer that I would have shot. And um, I told brother and Wicker, I said, look, when – said, I've got to get within bow range of that limb, you know, some kind of way. And all the trees are open in there. It's an open hillside. It's not like an oak flat around here. So ain't going to be nowhere to get. I said, but i got to figure it out. Tomorrow I'm going in there. So the next day the wind was blowing like 30 to 30 miles an hour. It's like, what was it, 25 with a 25-mile-an-hour north wind, something like that. Just brutal cold. And uh, we went and hunted the morning hunt, seen a few deer, seen good movement. You know, that cold weather had them on their feet. And uh, Worker killed a doe. He shot a doe that morning. So about 9.30, I texted him. I said, look, we need to go on and get down. We still got to take care of your doe because he, he was still in the stand. He's like, man, he said, this deer movement's so good. He's like, I want to watch for a buck. So he shot her about 7.30, 8 o'clock. Naturally, like he always does, he sees her die from the stand. Every deer he's ever shot up there, except for the one he killed this year, he saw die from the stand. So um, he's like, she's laying right here. I can see her. I said, oh, that's good. So I told him about 930. I said, we need to get down. We got to go take care of the doe. So we went and did that, and I wanted to hang a stand. So I took a uh, little lone wolf and a couple of sticks. And I only had to move 30 yards from the stand it was, but there was nowhere to get. You couldn't get up in there at all. The trees, 60, 70 feet, don't have a limb on them. So there's nowhere you, you know, even up there, they say, oh, you don't have to hide. You just sit out in the wide open. That's not the case. You, uh, they see you. They skyline you. They, you stick out to those deer and they'll leave. So um, anyway, they had one little spot like 20 yards from that licking branch that had a bush growing around the base of a tree. And, um, I was able to put my put my lock on on that tree, what, waist high, brother, to the platform? I, yeah, because I put my hand about waist high, and I hopped up in it. That's how I got in the stand. I think it was a little less than waist high, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it probably hit you about I middle seen, of the thighs, somewhere in there. The picture I seen, it wasn't high at all. No. No. And it, it wasn't much at all. So anyway, they had that one bush growing. right. It wasn't a bush. It was a uh, maple. And all the leaves on it you know, were gold because it's – Time for the leaves to change. Everything's red and bright yellow and stuff. So I hopped up in my uh, lock on and just kind of reached out and broke off a few twigs to where out of that, like, clipped me a little hole, just snapping them off of my fingers to where I could shoot. I had one shot to that branch, uh, to that licking branch. So at about 1030, we'd done that and then got out of there and uh, went, and take, went and took care of the other deer, got it to the processor, and we come back about 130. The wind was howling straight out of the west, which is perfect. That's the only reason I was able to move down there. But in those bottoms where everything kind of converged, those ridges come together in that creek, it was swirling real bad. So, um, you know, I was scared. It, it would hit me coming out of the east. I'd feel it from the south. It was just making circles. And, I mean, it was it was blowing enough I could feel the base of the tree I was sitting on moving. So I know that, like, if you'd have been in a stand, you'd have been going in a circle. And, um so I had some tinks that tinks gel 
that kind of, I, I, I guess it'll shoot, just kind of squirt out like 10 or 15 feet. So I sprayed a couple hits of that out just to make me feel better, you know, about the wind swirling. And I actually, had te- after about two hours, I texted Wicker and I told him, I was like, man, I need to get down and go somewhere else. The wind's swirling. I'm about to mess this place up. And um, he uh, and I, then, I, then I texted him about 30 minutes later. I was like, man, he's like, if you're going to move, you need to move now. It's getting late. And he was right. But since I was sitting on the ground, I didn't wear a safety harness. I didn't bring my harness in there with me. And I don't, I don't climb and get in lock on, especially not in that wind without safety harness. So um, I was like, man, I can't move. You know, there's nowhere for me to get that where I can get set up like I want to. So I'm just going to sit here. It's about 30 minutes goes by and the wind's not coming out. I mean, it's still howling out of the west, but it's coming over that ridge and coming around behind me. It's hitting me, you know, in my back blowing straight to that branch. I was like, man, they just, it's blowing 30. I hadn't seen a squirrel, a bird or nothing. About 3.30, I text him. I was like, man, I might just get out of here completely. Let's just go. And he texts me, I just seen a doe. And all, you know, as hard as the wind was blowing, you'd think they wouldn't move. But uh, he texts me, he's like, hey, I just seen a doe, and she's walking in the middle of the woods, like, wind, you know, winding and doing this little stuff. He's like, looks like some deer's going to be moving. So that kind of got me, you know, thinking that, you know, where I'm at down in here, maybe they will move. So about 20 minutes go by, and uh, the wind kind of, it's blowing the little, my little bush that I'd clipped a hole in, it's blowing it. It would lay it over sometimes, and I'm sitting in the wide open, and then it would blow back up straight. You know, it, it wasn't a good feeling. Like, I, I was just, one minute I'm concealed like a sniper, and the next minute I felt like there was nothing between me and anything. Like, the, the bushes were laid over straight down, and they'd stand back up. So, I kind of got my head back against the tree, and I'm just scanning. Like, I can see over that little ridge, and I'm scanning that, that wide, open, big, it's big virgin oak timber. It's never been cut. Just kind of scanning through there. And um, the wind howls again, and it blows this bush over that, that I'm sitting in. You know, this thing's this growing off the base of the tree that I'm on. Um, it blows it over, and there's a set of horns. <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. There was a set of horns in the bush when the wind blew the bush to the side there was a set of antlers that i could reach out and grab there was an eight point standing beside the tree that i'm on and i'm on the bottom of it and when the wind blew the bush back he's looking at me like no like i could thump him on the end of the nose (laughs) looking straight at me and then the wind quits blowing and the bush you know comes back between us and i'm like is he really there and it blew down again and he was there like five feet from me i said oh my god like he was so close i felt like he could see my eyes moving he was probably you know how a turkey like he was probably you know I mean? thinking the same thing is there somebody really there no he yeah i mean he was like he knew something was up then so he slides on off in this little ditch because that tree i'm on is right on the edge of this little ditch like eight foot deep little ravine that's cut through there by the water he just slides down the bank into it, and he gets right in front of me. And then there's nothing between me and him when the wind blows. I mean, not anything. And his nose is about – he's got his head up smelling, so his nose is – I was I could have kicked him in the face. I'm, and my bow – I mean, he's a shooter. I mean, this deer, you know, if I had to – I ain't big on scoring, but, you know, he's, he's pushing 40s. Like, he's heavy. He's got two or three inches of mass all the way out to the ends and outside his ears big old body and um 
I'm like, man, what do you do? Like, I got my bows. I put a little hanger up because you can't hardly set with a bow on your lap. Not in hunt for five or six hours. Every time you reach for your phone or you got to reposition or whatever, it's steadily sliding down, you know, trying to slide off the front of your legs. So I had stood up earlier when the wind was blowing and put my little bow hanger in and I had it hanging up. So I managed to get my hand in my bow. You know, I had it by the grip. And then I got stuck like that for five or six minutes. So he starts eating the tinks that I sprayed from the stand. If you can that let you know how close he was. I squirted it from the stand on those leaves. He's eating the tinks with the leaves on them and rubbing his horns in them at my feet. Hand, probably hands down the coolest thing you'll ever see. That I've never, I mean, I had a doe one time smell my boot uh, when I was turkey hunting. She come all the way up there, literally put her nose like on the tip of my lacrosses. Then didn't know what I was. And that was kind of cool too. And then she almost jumped on me. So it scared me real bad. And I scared <laughs> her and she left and I went back out. But, um, uh, so he starts doing that little doe movement. You know how a doe, I like go to drop her head and then snatch it back. He starts doing all this crap at like six feet. So now I'm like, man, I could jump off the stand on this deer. I don't need this bow. I'm just wrestling down. So, uh, anyway, he turned and kind of went up that other bank, which is what? eight yards from me and he gets on top of the other side of the bank and he turns around and kind of throws his head at me where he's above me. Like I'm looking up at his head and, uh, he, if he walks left, I shoot the deer cause he was fixing to go behind that bush and I already have my hand in my bow. Like I can get it down. I can be, you know, everything's right. And when he goes behind that deal, I'm fixing to shoot him right here at like seven yards. And he turned and went right and got over behind that bush I was using for cover that was right next to me. He was standing in the wide open. When the wind would blow, I'd be able to shoot him, but I couldn't get my bow down. So he starts smelling and licking the, smelling in the air and all, and he'd look at, like, he knew something was up, but he couldn't figure it out. So he didn't run or nothing. He just kind of walked back down the edge of that ridge and went over to my right and stopped about 30 yards from me and just kept looking, and he would smell, when that wind would blow, he'd smell that tinks. And um, he kept looking around, and then he just kind of eased off in the bushes. So I got aggravated at first. I was like, man, you got to be shut. I, I had him so close, I could I could hear him breathing with the wind blowing. And I could hear his lips like he was chewing on them uh, leaves. It sounded like a goat. You know how they kind of like mm-hmm. like they make this little smacking noise? That's what he was doing on those leaves. That's how close <laughs> that – I mean, it was right at my boot. So I'm sitting there, and I, I text – I think I text brother and wicker or whatever. You know, you just had a big one like – five feet from me. Can't even explain how close he was. You'd have to see it to know how close. And uh, I was getting aggravated. I thought about it. I was like, man, that's the coolest deal. You know, without killing one, that's as, as about as good as it can get. So I text Wicker. I was like, man, I can't even be mad. It was so cool. You know, can't even get aggravated about it. So I waited, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, kept looking behind me. I seen him one more time. He was just cruising the edge of that bedding, and he was still trying to win that. When that wind would swirl, he could still smell that tinks. I think's what he was doing anyway. Why he hung around so long? So I was like, man, I no way I get a shot at this deer. Why didn't you just go left? You know all the shit you think about in the stand. And uh, I texted him. I was like, man, I can't even get mad though. It's so cool. And so I quit pouting. I guess you, for lack of better terms, you know, quit even thinking about him. Like, man, it's still got hour and a half to dark and uh about 45 minutes goes by and i'm scanning i see a couple of does go through 
in that in that open woods across from me. And I look up and I I thought I seen a deer coming, big like dark, huge deer. Like man, that that can't be a deer. And I looked again and I could see it was kind of. I don't know if you ever watched a turkey come through the woods early in the morning when he comes off the roost, but his head, he bobs his head from side to side, and you can see that white head coming, but you can't see nothing else. Mm-hmm. So it was real dark and cloudy, and down in that bottom, that's all I could see, and I thought, I said, man, that's horns. It's got to be antlers, I see, and it's kind of leaning left, right, left, right. Then it come up out of that ditch, and I was like, oh, God, yeah, not, that's not only horns, that's a big deer. But I didn't know, you know, he was facing me, so I couldn't tell, you know, how good he was. I just knew he was heavy. So he walks up about 22, 23 yards, dead facing me, and stops. And I couldn't see his horns because he had a little brush there, and he dropped his head down, and he was looking eyeball to eyeball with me under that under that brush. Mm. I said, oh, you know, I mean, I got my hand on my bow, but I can't get it down because he's locked on. I was like, it's over. He's fixing to do the same thing this other deer done us too. I just let shit down my leg right here, literally right beside me. And um, I was like, man, please go to that licking branch. I kept thinking of that. I kept watching that branch. I said, that they're going to go to that branch. I watched Ford do it yesterday. He turns, makes a hard left, and goes straight for that branch. And when he got behind that big oak, I snatched my bow down, hooked my release on. He walked straight up to that limb, just like you see when they – Film them like, I don't know, uh, uh, real tree outdoors or whatever you watch, how they stand there and raise up in the front end and just start hooking and just tearing the limb up with their horns. That's what he was doing. Didn't even know I was in the world. I drew back, put right up that leg and got right on that shoulder. And I was like, man, you always hear those big, you know, 250, 300 pound Midwest, them old deer. They say that that ball joint on their shoulder uh, get big as a baseball. And I hear horror stories, you know, about people hitting that, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't go through and all this." So I just I moved back off of that shoulder, off of that front leg, about three inches, and that's all I remember doing is just moving over, and the bow went off, and the green. I just watched that knock, just boom, straight through him, go out the other side, and stick up in the ground, and he just kind of humped up, and he ran, but he didn't run. He run with his tail tucked. Like his hips pulled up under him like they do. They say when they run off like that, they're gut shot. But uh, in this case, he was not gut shot. He was, uh, I shot him just double, about perfect as you can get. Center mass, double lung, whatever. So I wasn't even nervous. Like I hung my bow back up. I didn't even have the jitters. I I guess I just couldn't believe that it just happened. I guess. I don't know. In shock. So I take... Oh yeah, I mean, I really. Yeah, was. he didn't. He so didn't really get Brad. nervous until he started texting me about it. I could tell, like the way. Actually, okay. Anytime Colt shoots a deer, he sends red arrow. That's just what he sends, right? Or if he shoots a pig or whatever. So when he texted me that evening, he said, "I just shot a big deer," and I said, "Okay, I'm on my way." Like I, whatever I was doing, I climbed down. I was getting out of there because I knew it was a good one. Yeah, Wicker said the same thing. He's, I text Wicker, I just shot a big one. And he said he automatically knew that meant it was a 180-inch deer or whatever. You know, it wasn't a – you wasn't going to get there and it was just a nice, decent deer. It was going to be a big one, um, which I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how from three or four words I just shot a big one. You gather that it was the size of the deer that I shot, but he said he could just tell by the way I sent it. Um 
I didn't. So anyway, I hung my bow back up, and I was like, man, I knew I smoked him, but, like, I didn't want to get excited about it. You know what I'm saying? Because you build yourself up for a huge letdown or something crazy. Like, I've had so many problems <laughs> up there trying to kill deer. Like, I was just expecting something to be wrong. Like, no way this just went the way that I just explained it. Something shitty happened. It looked like it went through the deer, but it glanced off a squirrel, and it actually went around <laughs> the deer, you know. I'm just thinking something happened. So, um, brother's like, I'll be right there. He was. He come out of public, out of his stand, and made it to me. I got down, and like I said, I still hadn't got, like, I didn't get shaking. You know, normally you kill a deer and you hang your bow up. You got that adrenaline rush, your hands, I didn't get any of that. I still was just, I, I was like, I don't want to get hyped up about it. They're like, what was it? I was like, it was a good deer. That's all I would tell them is, is it going? Was he big? Oh, yeah, he was big. What do you think it was? I don't know. Like, I didn't know. Like, with him looking at him, when he run his horns in, in the limbs you couldn't count them you couldn't count points anyway right i mean i didn't i wish i didn't once i seen when i seen him facing me and i realized that was really a deer i could see coming out of that because down in those ravines everything's dark and he was real black looking so i just seen that white i'm like once i knew it was horns i wouldn't look at him anymore i didn't want to get you know i didn't want buck fever to set in and i can't couldn't even draw my bow back but um so I come out and I get on, I drop Wicker off across the road and, and we hid the buggy in that ditch. So I walked back out when I got to the buggy and drove up the road where my truck was parked. Brother was already there. He had already made it there. So we went and got Wicker, had a bunch of, I think he seen what, 35 deer that evening or something, brother? Remember, we oh, counted like what, pile. probably 10 or 12 in the field. When we drove up, it was, uh, so it was get, like three bucks and like nine does. Had a buck bumping some does and stuff around on the field. And then he had a bunch in there with him. I don't know. It was a pile of deer. So we used the buggy to push him, you know, to let him see that coming out. So he didn't have to walk through them to get out. We went and picked them up. And um, they wanted me to go to the truck. Oh, let's hang out up here a while. Let's give him a while. And I'm like, hey, no, I, <laughs> I know that. Hey, I know. I understand y'all trying to do good, but. 86 that bullshit no get your ass on like i'm going i'm getting on this buggy and i'm going here to get this deer if y'all don't want to go stay i don't care no let's let's give it 15 minutes like dude i was freaking because i knew i knew what he looked like when i shot him i knew where i hit him i'm like they ain't i know he's dead i just don't want to say anything and jinx myself they're like was he going i'm like yeah he's he's going i think he's eight you know, I don't know. Well, when he, so whenever I got there, before I got there, I I talked to Cole on the phone the whole way there. So he sent me a picture of the arrow, and he's like, "Man, he's like, I think the blue." Oh, I did go get my you had arrow. you That's had right. so much doubt in your mind; it was crazy, like to even talk to you about it because you're like, "Man, the 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 blood's kind of pink." He's like, "What what is that?" I'm like, "Man, a, a pink blood is usually like super oxygenated blood." I was like, "I think you double lunged him." He's like, "Man, I don't know, I don't know." And then fast forward to us. It's how he ran off. Yeah. It's how he ran off with his ass folded up under him. They say that's liver and gut shot. You watch any video you want to watch on shot placement. When they hump up in the back end like that and bunny hop, you hit them back. A heart shot. And I remember. Huh? A heart shot deer do that too. Yeah. Well, I remember when I went to shoot the deer moving back off that shoulder. And that's what I kept telling myself and telling brother and them too. Like, I think I'm, I think I moved too far back. I think I messed up. Right. 
Like I should have just stayed up that leg. Up that leg is where the vital V is. That's where you want that air to go through at. But, you know, I pulled back a little bit, a couple of inches, which, what was it, two inches back from where I would have, if I could have walked up there and put my finger on him to shoot him right here, I was two inches behind that. It, um, so anyway, we get up there and Wicker's like, just calm down, you know. Oh, uh, we had to talk We're him gonna... off the ledge, Chase. He was, like, when I talked to him on the phone, he didn't really get shook up on the phone until until uh, I called him. And then I could I could tell how nervous he was. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, this has got to be a freaking giant. And then when me and Wicker were together, me and Wicker's just kind of trying to calm him down and saying, you know, let's give it 30 minutes. And he's just over there. He just couldn't take it, man. Oh, man. He had that, he had that bow hunter gremlin. Oh, no. When you got a deer of that caliber and you know he's laying in there dead, I'm thinking in my mind, if we wait another 30 minutes, coyotes will have eat the horns off this deer by the time we get in there. We're going to get in there, and I'm not going to have a deer left. They're going to drag it somewhere and put it in a hole, and we're never going to find it. And they're all – because, like I said, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy to tell somebody, oh, give it an hour, when you're not – they're not the ones that shot. When you shoot one, that give it – like, I I got – Within five minutes of shooting that deer, I got down, hopped out of my little <laughs> three-foot perch I was in, scaled that ditch. When it climbed, I had to grab trees. And, I mean, it was straight-up bluff on the other side, like 10 foot. And uh, I scaled down through there, got up there. When I got to my arrow, I got twice as nervous. That's what kind of got it started, brother, was my arrow was buried so deep. It went through that deer so hard and fast. It was buried in the ground on the other side, shot through some roots. I couldn't get it out. I wound up cracking the arrow, snatching and jerking on it, and I'm trying to be, you know, you're trying to not cause a commotion because I'm not even supposed to be out of the stand. You know, I'm supposed (laughs) to wait another 30 minutes. So they say. So I'm digging, and I finally get my arrow out. And, like, the last couple of days I shot, that blood on that white fletchings, like, you can see it. Ain't no doubt. And this blood just didn't coat them like that. It didn't look like you dipped it in a bucket of red paint like the other ones was. And I finally get it dug out and I look, my naturally my blades is mangled up a little bit. And then I kinda scan. I don't want to look, but I had to. I kinda <laughs> scanned across that flat a little bit. And I'm looking and I'm I seen something over there and I'm like, that's him. Don't don't look. Don't look. That's him though. And I scurried back down but it wasn't him by no means. Uh, it was a log, which well, I walked straight over there to it with the flashlight. So anyway, I tell them, I was like, look, this whole 30, I think we give it, what, 10 minutes, brother, maybe? Y'all try to get me to do 30. I just got on the buggy. I didn't say nothing to nobody. I got on it, cranked it up. They either get in or stay here. I don't care. I'm not, damn the 30 minutes. Y'all can have that. So anyway, they come on, they're laughing and picking at me and shit. So everybody gets on, we go over there and we go into my stand spot. And Wicker's like, he, he helped me, like, he packed the sticks in there with me to get set up, and I wound up putting it on the ground. And so, brother, stopping and like he didn't get to see it yet, so he's making pictures of the stand and how it's set up and all that. And we bail on down through there and go up on the other side. I'm like, he, I was like, he's standing right here, which is 17 yards on the ground, face to face, like eyeball to eyeball with this deer when I shot him. And um, we go around. I showed him where my arrow was, and we walked five or ten feet we didn't see no blood where the arrow went through him didn't see nothing i i knew i showed him where the arrow was and we just kind of walked i said look I, he run right here and we walked about two or three steps and it was dumping easy blood trail you just stand up and walk yeah blood right here blood right there blood we crossed the the creek where he come in at 
when I shot him, he run the same track back out of there that he took coming through there. And um, we get 50 yards, and there's a pushed-out spot where the leaves are knocked up. You can see some bare dirt had blood all in it, no deer. And um, I was getting, to say the least, I was a little bit concerned. <laughs> and we go, as like, oh, here's blood. We couldn't find the blood. And like, all right, here it is right here, blood right here. And he kind of made a little bit of a turn. So it's blood, 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 and we went how far, brother? Probably another twenty yards, another spot. Yeah, it was like twenty or thirty. Leaves is all, yeah. Leaves are all knocked up, blood on the bare dirt, no deer. We went about another twenty yards after that spot, and the third spot was wallered out the size of a pickup truck, bare dirt, blood matted all in the ground, no deer. When we found that third spot where he laid down, brother's like, he laid here. He's like, he, you know, he made a circle or two right here. He wallered it down. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at them and they wouldn't say nothing to me, but everybody in their mind was thinking, Hey, he's gone. He was like, they ain't no, we, huh? he was trying to pack that hole from that G5, but I don't think that's possible. Dude, that you can't pack that, that hole he had wallered out. That ain't no lie. It was the size of a pickup truck. It was a probably. Oh, that was 10 yeah, by 10. Yeah, probably 10 by 10. Perfect circle. Blood everywhere. Like, all in the leaves, all in the dirt. And me and Wicker just kind of looked at each other, and Colt was behind us. We wouldn't really say anything to anybody. Like, we didn't – we couldn't believe that – No, because everybody was scared of what, like, this deer is going. Well, it ain't like we had, like – you know, it's not like we had drops of blood. You know, it was pouring blood. Like, you dumped it out of a, a jug. And you'd follow it, and you'd hit one of those spots where it looked like he laid down. And there'd be blood all in it, and then it looked like you poured out again out of a can and then hit it again, and we hit the third one. Once we hit the third one, man, I got real nervous. I'm not going to lie. I really did. Well, y'all stopped. You and Wicker was looking at each other and looking around on the ground, and we didn't see any blood leaving out of it. Well, that was, I mean, that was like the, the point in the track where it's like when you walk up to the third one, you're like, okay, maybe we just bumped him. Like, it's borderline – you know, you either back out or you keep pushing. Yeah, well, we were – I was about to say, I hope we not bump – there's no way we're bumping him as much blood was dumping. And I leaned around them with the flashlight and shine kind of going up the edge of that hill right there and just see a huge main beam sticking up right there to the right. I was like, there he is right there. It was a, a pretty – Pretty fulfilling. So what he was doing was he ran 50 yards and piled up, boom, dug up the leaves, hit the ground, managed to get back on his feet, run another 20, hit the ground, make a circle there. That last spot, he must have made a full, complete circle on the ground, like wallering around and then managed to get back up and wobble about 20 more yards, and that's where he was hit, I mean, where he was laying. And – I can tell you right now, I did not know that deer was that big when I shot it. I knew he was big. I didn't know how big. I just knew he's a big one. I, like I said, I wouldn't study all the horns and all, but uh, the the whole walk up on him and the ground shrinkage and all, this one's the other way around. I walked up on him. He, the closer we got, like we, we started jogging over there, the closer we got, the bigger he got. It was not any ground shrinkage. It was the closer we got, the bigger he got. And then the, his left beam is his best beam anyway. And it was down. His right beam was up. And I run up to him. I'm looking at them. I was like, oh, my God. What, what is this? <laughs> and I grabbed it when that left beam come up off the ground where I could actually see, you know, the mass and how heavy the deer was. I was like, man. 
look at this. What have I done? I have killed a moose. Yeah, that's about the time yeah. that I got a text message that said, I killed my first booner. Well, we were going back and forth, and brother called it. I said the deer was in the 60s, and uh, brother hit the nail on the head. He said he, he'll break 70. I said, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm still, like, looking at him, still in shot, but I'm like, ah, right, he's not that wide. You know, the deer's only 17 and something wide, but, you know, he's got 26-inch main beams on him, I, you know, and then the mass, he's carrying three, three-and-a-half inches all the way to the tip on both sides. So we're looking at him in the woods, and like I said, brother caught it right. Once I got the horns back and we sat down and scored it, it was uh, what we come up with. And, and I don't even know if using that ribbon, the way we were doing it, if it's an accurate number, if we're low or we're high. I don't know exactly. I mean, it should. it's going to be close, inch or two one way or the other. But um, Either way. So anyway, he should uh, – According to what we scored, he netted and made the book by about seven inches. Yeah. 166 and seven eighths or something like that. So uh, I guess I'll get him, get him officially scored and, what, and do a book entry on him. What did he gross at? 171 and seven eighths. Jesus. Man. The taxidermist guy uh, that taped my head out for me so I can get the horns back. He said 172 and something, 172 and a half, but I don't know that he measured. I don't know if he spent any time on it measuring it or what. So I'm not sure if that's accurate to go. I don't know if maybe we're low on it or, you know, even if we're a couple inches off, you know, two inches off to the high side because of, you know, using that ribbon and trying to get accurate measurements on it. Brother said he thinks we're a little low. I I don't know. I mean, we, we spent probably what 30 minutes when we went over one of them beams twice yeah usually, we, we did score that you, other side twice yeah usually you always high when them boone and crockett scores come they gonna get you somewhere oh i'm sure but i got a little room to farm to get right for a little while anyway i don't know how much they're gonna take no, uh, no, there's no know, way they're taking six inches <laughs> if he don't make the book it don't matter to me it's still uh, that was a three-year quest Three years in a row, I have passed deer that at the end of the trip, I would have been happy to shoot. And I, all I told them, I was like, I want to shoot a mature, just a just a old brute, you know, just old, what do they call it? Just old bruiser, fighter, whatever you want to call it. Just a, one that when you see him, there ain't, you don't look at how big is his horns. You don't, you know, is he 18 inches wide? Look at them G2s. They look short. None of that. First glance, you go, oh, my God, and get your bow, and that's exactly what I kill. So I'm happy with it. Oh, I, You know what I'm saying? No, no matter how it, how it turns out, that's exactly the deer that I that I have put in the last three years to kill. And the bad thing about it, come to find out, as we're sitting there with the deer and I start replaying how he come in, he had a, a little bit of a limp in his front end. When he came in, figured he got hurt fighting, didn't put two and two together, the deer – Last year that we seen him and I had him at 35 yards, I walked up on him. He was limping on that same front left, same exact deal. We had seen him two days before that go down the edge of a field. He was limping then. We actually thought he'd been shot. We went back in turkey season and actually looked to find that deer dead. 
because we thought he late bedded in there by that pond, you know, and we the, the morning I, the evening I walked in there to hunt and I jumped him up right where he went. Like we watched him go down the edge of the field that morning. He went in the woods and when he went in the woods, he laid down. So we thought he was shot. We expected to find that deer dead in turkey season. And we said then, you know, hey, that deer, we, we estimated him to be in the 80s, which he, he probably was because the neighbors got some sheds off of him and he was a lot bigger the year before. He only found one side of them, though. He didn't have both. And I think that one side, just that one beam would go in the 80s, you know, 80-something inches on one side without any spread or anything. So, I mean, he was a hell of a deer last year. So we look at him on the ground, and I'm like, I think Wicker might have said, one of us said it at the same time, me, him, and brother all at the same time go, oh, shit, that's him. And I'm like, yeah, it is, because he has that snowshoe beam. You know, his beams go flat and then turn up at the end. I was like, that's got to be him. And then we rolled him over, and sure enough, his left front foot's got a big hole in it right above his uh, where his hooves come together, and his ankle was swollen up about the size of a baseball. And it had been there for a long time. I could stick my pinky finger in the hole. It had been like that for a year. It doesn't hurt, you know, tried to grow by. It was healed back up, but that joint was broken, that ankle. Hmm. I said, oh, man, you got it. Like the deer I dreamed about last year that I seen, like they asked me how big he was when I walked up on him last year because he got up at, they, the first time we seen him, he was 500 yards. Looked at him with binoculars. The, um, when I walked up on him, he was at 35. And he stood up and like looked straight at me. And I just remember thinking that deer's got 30 inch main beams on him. When he turned sideways, it looked like he had a two before for a main beam on each side. Gee. And I told him, like, y'all, that looking at him with binoculars at 500 yards ain't nothing. I'm telling you, he's bigger than we ever thought. Um, you know, when I seen him last year. And naturally, I hunted that same spot for another three days and I ate tag soup because I brought home an empty tag last year hoping to kill that deer. Go back up here this year, make two hunts and kill it. Sitting on the ground face to face with him at 18 yards. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm real happy I got to be a part of that track, man, because that was one of the coolest things is to see the look on your face. Like you just walked up there and you didn't really say anything. You just looked at him with your mouth hanging open. And we all just kind of stood there for a minute. And then, uh, yeah, it was sticker shot. Like, yeah, and then the, picture, y'all, I really think Wicker was. said, he's like, Colt, that's that deer from last year. And you said, oh, my God, it is. I think he did. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And to make it even better, not only did I shoot him with that killing machine, that RX-7 Hoyt, by the way, put a little plug in there for Hoyt, which I've just been laying shit down with all year. Every uh, time you've hit the release, something has died. Yeah, but all my arrows are custom. My brother builds all my arrows. All those arrows, all those arrows are custom. We pick out the wraps, the fletchings. He sets up the weights on them, the grains. They're all hand cut, hand tuned. So it just make everything just kind of comes together and makes it even that much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's how season's going to date, far as the uh, kills for me. I still ain't been able to put my hands on him yet. I want. I'm ready to see him, hold him. Man, when you feel the, like the said, weight, once they to me, once they cut the horns out of him, like he shrunk a lot. When they cut the head off of him, oh, yeah. you know, got everything skinned out. I was like, oh man, it just felt like it just pulled him down. Yep. And uh, so I can see it, but everybody else, like I, I had him in my truck for a couple of days because everybody's like, oh man, when are you gonna bring them horns around? And I know when I bring him to the taxidermist, they'd be going for six months. So, um, 
And I've shown them to a couple of people and they just pick them up and they just stand there looking at me like, oh my God, like how heavy and just, he's just old. I mean, I think talking to the neighbors, they've had, you know, pictures of him and been seeing him the last three or four years. So, I mean, they, they estimated him to be somewhere between six and eight, probably seven. Yeah, court. He was actually appeared to be going downhill because the neighbor thinks that. I mean, I don't. I know he was bigger last year. I'm looking at the horns. You know, I seen him that close. I know he was a freaking man last year. Which you know, don't get me wrong, he's 170 something inches now. But I think he was trending to that times getting shorter and just getting more mass, but losing his, you know, losing that big wow factor. Because last year I think he was a couple inches wider, and I know his times were way longer because. Like thirty yards, looking at him, I, I figured his his times to be twelve or thirteen inches. And this year, they was only a you know they were they were real heavy now. We were on, but you know he had eleven inch times. But I just I really do think he was. Uh, I think he was on his way down. And last year, I figured he'd go three hundred pounds. Just guessing because uh, of how big he was when he got up, brisket hanging between his legs and all that. And this year. I ain't gonna say he was down this year because he still had the same build, same build to him. But uh, what he, I think it was two forty seven. Yeah, at the um, at the uh, processor he weighed two forty seven. Yeah, and that's on a certified beef scale. Yeah, they rolled him, put him on the rack, and hung him. They didn't use a regular scale. He's like, no, we just put it on this rack. But anyway, that's a uh, heck of a deer. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I don't. Just for the, I may the, never kill nothing any better. The listeners, he was a clean mainframe ten, had palmated and split brow tines on both sides, a three inch sticker coming out the front of one base, and had I don't know, two or three stickers off one G two, a couple stickers off the other G two. I mean, just a freaking hammer. Yeah, he's no doubt. He's as good a deer as I could ever hope to kill. Just, it feels weird just to say, you know, oh, yeah, I've got one down in the 70s with my bow. That's kind of, uh, you told me that last year. Oh, yeah, you're going to kill one like that or whatever. I said, you crazy. Actually, my brother did. Last year he told me, he's like, man, just watch. You keep holding out and passing them deer. You're going to shoot one of the biggest deer we've ever killed, if not the biggest deer we've ever killed, especially hunting together. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. But I was on my second year in a row of a dry streak where I hadn't fired a shot. Well, I mean, I fired a couple shots. I didn't kill nothing. He was on your way down. <laughs> oh, I was going down quick. Like I said, I was ready to take up knitting or crocheting or something. Yeah, I told Colt before we ever left for the trip, I said, man, I was like, I just feel it. You're going to kill – not only are you going to kill a big one, it's going to be one of the biggest deer y'all have ever seen on that farm. And I, I told, I actually called the day, too. I said, Tuesday, you're going to kill him. First full day we're there, you're going to kill a giant. And sure enough, he killed him on Tuesday evening, 171 inches. So what day was it uh, Wednesday that you drew back on the buck like three times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I called it. <laughs> I was like, man, Colt's going to kill Tuesday. Wicker's going to kill a doe. And then I'm going to kill Wednesday. And that almost happened, but did not. Uh, uh, uh. I had a good trip, though, man. I seen a pile of freaking deer, and I was on good deer from really from the beginning. But uh, the day Colt's talking about, I had a – probably 140-ish inch uh, clean eight. I mean, a freaking hammer of a deer on public land. And I I think he may be bigger than what I thought because, like, his body just looks so long. 
But like even with his body so big, you can see he had big antlers, and that's when you know it's a good deer, especially up there. But yeah, I had him at 32 yards. He came in off of this transition area that came from private onto the public, and uh, it was the wind. That was the day the wind was blowing so hard that the that Wednesday too, it was probably 20, 30 miles an hour, so you couldn't hear anything. So you're just sitting up there with your head on a swivel. You know, you're constantly scanning left and right. And I look back over my shoulder at something, and uh, when I turn around and look back, he was already in at like 32 yards, I think. Had already crossed the little logging road and was uh, going into that ditch. But drew back on him at 32 and was screaming at this deer, and he just he didn't acknowledge it, didn't stop, nothing. Like, he just couldn't hear it at all. I think when they get in that mindset, they hear it, but it don't register to them. Yeah, I did it three different times, too. I, I drew back on him at 32. I tried to map at him a couple times, and then he wouldn't hear it. And I was just, map, map, map. And then he went behind this tree, so I let down, rearranged, reset my sight. He walked at, like, 44. And then that spot, he just kind of blew through it. And then I drew back on him again at, like, 50-something, and same thing. Just never would stop. And I'm not going to shoot one walking at that distance. It's too much can go wrong. Yeah. Now, at 32, look at hindsight. When I first started hollering at him to get him to stop and he wouldn't, I probably should have just put the pin, like, on the front edge of his shoulder and turned it loose. But I don't know. You never know, man. There's so much so much stuff can go wrong. It's just then you wound a deer. And, yeah, and you try to – yeah, and you try to rush your shot because you're trying to time him walking. That's what I'm scared of. Yeah, so, I, I mean, well, I guess no, it's a good like, thing. I feel like I could shoot one walking. It's just trying to you, – you pull around and punch the trigger, trying to beat him, you know, get in time with him stepping or whatever. Not only that, you hold that far forward, and as soon as you punch that release, he just stops and you cut yep. his brick. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or hit him right in the knuckle. And... Yeah, it's better to – Yeah. Yeah. Like I told you, you get zero sympathy out of me. You've killed the last two years running. I've been right there with you, supporting you and high-fiving you and all that. And I come home with my little pitiful tag in my pocket and come home every day. I have it in my little dresser drawer and I go to get my socks out. There's my little stack of Illinois <laughs> tags. None of them ain't never... None of them ain't never had shit written on them other than my name when I bought them. Justice pristine. I was like, man... Huh? Justice pristine as they were the day you bought them. Oh, clean, crisp, still in the little orange thing that you get at Walmart where you buy your tags. I mean, they're all protected and shit. Never had nothing but my name wrote on them for three years. This is the fourth year. Well, you ought to get the one you killed him on and get it mounted. Oh, no, it's it's on the horns. It'll stay on there. I'll leave that tag on there probably when I get him mounted. Yeah, I'd said after Colt killed the deer and – just the way it happened honestly it was just sheer luck the way it happened because i was in between spots and i'd walked and looked at some other spots and uh i had my stand still hung but i I wanted to walk and scout the evening because it was so windy you could walk right up on deer and you know they'd never see or hear you so when he i'd sat down on the ground and i was just watching over this little bottom and seen a little five point he was messing around and another little spike came through or whatever so I was watching them, and then when Colt texts, he's like, I just shot a big deer. I was like, okay, I'm on my way. So I pretty much just jogged down the 
the access path to get back I was to the about car. To say, I couldn't believe how fast he got well, there. Could not believe. You I thought I got, got there, there fast, but I was, really I was only three and a half miles away. The piece of public I was hunting is three miles from the from y'all's farm. Well, Colt had a long way to climb down. That's what took him so long. Yeah, I did. You know, you know, I had to be careful because I, I was so excited. I went to jump out of the stand because I knew it was short. But if you jump off the front of the stand, it's ten foot to the bottom because <laughs> it's hanging out over that ditch. You jump off the side of the stand, you're fine. I almost had a uh, what does uh, John C. Riley say? One of my bugaboos. I almost bugabooed off the front of that sucker <laughs> and probably broke a leg. But uh, anyway, well, look, hey, we got a. Let's we switch gears now and go from the Midwest and Illinois all the way down to South Texas. Yeah, uh, I'm in the same boat as Rudy. I eat tag soup on that trip, but uh, kind of like he said, it's it's a lot more than killing a deer whenever you with people that you love and all. It was just a good memory making experience, and uh, I actually I was I was fortunate enough to to give up trying to kill one myself at the right time and was able to video my dad kill an old uh a old eight point for texas and uh that was pretty cool um like i said we my little brother he was the first one to to draw blood and, and break the ice he killed a a good mature doe and um that that, that evening with the morning the first morning we hunted uh I wasn't seeing anything, um, and, and it's not because the place that I was at was bad. Um, they definitely had the deer. It was just I. It just wasn't my wasn't my turn this year. I don't guess, but uh, my little brother, they was all seeing deer, and my dad, he was just covered up in deer. It just wasn't the right one, and um, <clears throat> so we went to lunch and all. We went back and. Um, the guy that we was hunting over there with, he was like, Matt, he said, this time of the year, y'all, do y'all have rattling horns? I was like, no, I didn't, I don't even own a set of rattling horns. I'm, I've been scared of them. I don't, I just don't, uh, I've never done it. And I said, it don't work too well where we from. And, um, he said, man, he said, right now is the time you need them. So we went to Walmart and all that night and I meant, uh, we run into town to, grab lunch and i said well, let's run by walmart and see if they got anything when he told us specifically he said do not buy the little rattle bags he said it don't work he said you've got to have some kind of horns and he said they don't have any he said i may have a couple sheds laying around here y'all can use i was like all right well we went in there and they had that black rack they call it and so we bought a couple sets of them and dad my dad was like i ain't gonna he said, I ain't doing that. He said, I'm covered up in deer. He said, it's just a matter of time for the right one's going to come in here. Like, well, I ain't seeing much, so I'm going to try whatever I can. Well, then I got it, and the more I think about it on the way in, I'm like, man, I ain't doing that. I'm about to mess something up. I said, I ain't. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So my little brother, he's sitting in the stand. He's, he, he's thought the same thing because he would drop. My dad was off first. He dropped me off, and he'd go to the back and get on his stand. And uh, he said, man, he said, I got back there. And he said, I thought the same thing. He said, so I just left them in the truck, too. They was all in the wrapper still. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so he went and sat in the truck. Uh, he went and got on the stand. Well, uh, it wasn't, oh, I don't know. 
about a, we had about an hour left before dark. Daddy's texting, and well, they had to buy backtrack. They had to go when they went to Walmart. The only phone service that works over there is AT and T. Well, they both have Verizon, so they had to buy these two little trap phones uh, that was AT and T on like a little prepaid card, so we can communicate. And uh, from the time we dropped Daddy off to the to the to dark, he's just saying just all these different deer filtering in and out and in and out, and I got about uh, three or four cows underneath me i can't run them off i'd throw a, i'd break a stick off that mesquite tree i was in and throw it at them right there i mean they ain't eight yards below me and it hit them and they, they wouldn't even act like nothing happened just kept eating all my corn i was like man <laughs> well about an hour before dark my little brother said i should have brought my horns i said you didn't bring them he said no i said i didn't either he said, "You think it'll uh?" He said, "You think it'll mess me up if uh if I get down and go to the truck and get them?" And uh, I said, "No, I mean you ain't seeing nothing. Ain't, nothing can hurt it now." And uh, he said, "All right." He said, "Well, I'm going." So he gets down. He goes across there to the truck and he comes back and stand. He said, as "Soon as he got in the stand, he said, I just." Did what Mr. Kevin said, dude. He said, I just went to banging them. He said, I like hard. I was trying to break them in half. He said, I'd done it for about a minute and I stopped. He said, Well, as soon as I stopped, they had a a, a big deer. He said, I, I couldn't tell how many points it was. He was a, a for sure shooter and an eight point. They come running, like he said, running in and he drew back on him. They come within eight yards of him. He was hollering at them. And just they just never would stop me. He, he didn't want to shoot either while they was running, and uh, they went on out of sight. And I was like, "Well, dang, maybe I should try it." But I don't have mine, so I. Long story short, that was the end of it. It got dark, and um, I said, "Well, we're going into day two of of a three day hunt." Well, that first morning, I mean, it wasn't barely daylight. Laying in text, I just shot a doe. <clears throat> I said, okay, well, that's good. And Daddy, and Daddy had a pretty decent eight point that he was he was going back and forth on himself about shooting or not. And he sent me some pictures of him and all, and he was a good deer. I mean, like I said, we're in we're in Texas. You're not going to get that four and five inch mass like like y'all do, like you do in the Midwest and everywhere. And and this deer here, he was an eight point. He was probably a hundred and 125 inches or so i was like man i said that's a good looking deer i mean i'd shoot him he's like nah i'm gonna hold off he said i, I don't think he's quite got the age on him and um i was like okay well that's this your call like i said this is this is your trip and uh so he held off and my little brother he he killed a deer and um he didn't go very far well i'm sitting there and i seen uh I brought my horns that morning. It was about 8 o'clock. I said, well, I grabbed them, and I'm holding them in both hands. I'm just looking at them. I'm like, <laughs> just terrified to touch them this. together, huh? Yeah, I said, I, I, here we go. <laughs> I was having to coach my – it's crazy. I was having to coach myself to bang them horns together. I was just that intimidated of them. And my little brother's like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as soon as I hit them, them songs going to run out there. And 
I was like, yeah, that just might have been beginner's luck, but maybe I'll have a little bit too. So, so here I go. I went to whooping them things together and just hitting the tree and bushes beside me and just going at it. Well, I seen something running. I was like, what the heck? <clears throat> and it was kind of thick where I'm at. I couldn't see very far the way I was in that tree and all. And uh, sure enough, I had a pretty decent eight point come charging out there and he got about 40 yards of me or so and he just locked up. Well, where he was at, I couldn't shoot him anyway. And then he turned and flared and took off. I was like, holy crap, this actually worked. Like that, that was crazy. That was the first time I've ever seen something like that. Well, so I text my little brother. I said, hey, I said, uh, did you find your deer? He's like, yeah, I got her, blah, 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 whatever. I said, all right. I said, well, let's go rattling. I said, I want, we need, we need, we just go walk around rattling. That's what the guy told us to do. And so first set we done, we, uh, my little brother sets up about 80 yards upwind of me because the deer is going to come downwind of the fight. And, um, so I'm sitting there he starts banging them horns for about a minute and he stops for about five and does it again. Well, the first set he does a big mature eight point. He wasn't very wide. He was just real tall, heavy comes in. Well, he's coming at me. I was looking to the right out in this opening looking for him. Well, he actually come from my left. When I look back to my left, he had done got within 20 yards of me. Well, he wasn't stopping. And he was like within feet of me. And I just kind of said, hey, like that a little bit to stop it. Because he was, he was about to run over me. Right? And I done made it up my mind. <laughs> you just whispered at him. Huh? Yeah, hey. I done made it up my mind. <laughs> I done made up my mind. It wasn't a deer I wanted to shoot. Which he was a mature deer, but he just... It just wasn't what I was looking for. And uh, so I kind of like, hey, like that, and kind of stomped my foot. Well, he slammed on the brakes and noticed me there, and he turned, but he didn't run. He just kind of, you know how they get that little sideways walk with their head turned sideways when they're coming into like another deer and they want to fight or something? Yeah, that's, that's what he did. Walk. They posturing up. Yeah, yeah, that's what he did, but he wasn't, he wasn't all puffed up like he was wanting to fight. He was just walking to the side, looking at me like that, like trying to sneak past me, like he didn't know exactly what it was. And uh, I was like, "Well, that's pretty. This is this is awesome. I've never experienced anything like this." Well, a little time passed, and he went into that second sequence of rattling, and um, I didn't know at the time he walked off from his bow because he had his bow too. I said, "Because deer comes from that way for whatever reason, you can shoot him, shoot him." I mean, we both looking for a buck. Well, I didn't know at the time, but he had walked away from his bow and went further back from me. Well, this big, wide nine-point that was a sure enough shooter, I was going to shoot him. He comes and walks within 10 yards of where my little brother was rattling from, and I'm watching him through this tree that I'm backed up against, and I'm just waiting to see that arrow go flying through him. And I'm like, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Well, he never does shoot him. I said, okay, well, I'm going to shoot him. So I done got my hand on my bow, and he's steadily coming. Don't know I'm there. Well, as soon as he got within, I don't know, nine, ten yards of me to my left, I still had this branch in front of me where he couldn't see me, or I thought he couldn't see me. I went to just kind of shuffle my feet just a little bit where I can get a good angle on him to draw back. As soon as I did that, that song took off like a shot out of a cannon. I was like, well, crap. I said, well, that's it. So let's move. So long story short, we moved to another spot, rattled in a couple more deer, just wasn't no shooters or either couldn't get a shot again because they 
as fast as they blow in there is as fast as they leave. So like it's it's you got to be on your uh you got to be on your game when it happens, you know before they flare. And um, so I text my dad and I was like, "Look, you got to if you ain't seen nothing by now, you got to come. You got to come experience this one time, whether we kill nothing or not." So he's like, "Well, come get me." So we went and got him and went to another spot on that uh, that farm that we were hunting that he had gave us to hunt on, and uh, we rattled up uh, a little six point and then two good deer on that uh, set too. Well, he went to move his hand to flipped the safety off on his crossbow and the deer seen that and they took off and like, man, crap. So that was day two. Uh, the evening hunt rolled around. My little brother seen a little eight point. My dad seen that same eight point again. And some other little deer, some does and stuff. And, and of course, I seen absolutely zero again. And I was like, man, I, I don't know. So day three rolled around and I told him, I said, look, I said, I'm not seeing anything. Y'all seeing all these deer. I've had my fair share. I at least just want to see deer. I said, so I, he was in a big box stand. My dad was. I said, I'm going to go sit with you and just uh, just watch you or, or video you shoot one or whatever. Well, sure enough, we sitting there, and this deer comes in, a little six-point and a doe and a four-point that's been there every day, and they just eating and feeding all. And then this other bigger deer a eight point comes in but it wasn't an eight point that he's seen the day before um it was a different deer <clears throat> he'd come in he's probably 115 120 inch eight point anyway he comes in and and we was like ah he, he's too young so we we passed well while those four deer are eating out the way i'm sitting i can see further to the left out of this stand that he can because the windows are real narrow I just seen a heavy horned deer coming to the window, and when he comes into that window, he's below 20 yards already. And um, you can, it's just one of them things, like you said, Colt, whenever, when you see him, you know, like that, this is a mature deer. That's, this is the shooter here. Um, just everything about him is different. And he comes in, I told him, I said, here he comes, I said, shooter right here. I said, he's, he's about to hit your window now. So he got his bow all ready and all with a deer got there and he was not on a good angle for him and um he fed around there a little bit and he kinda he come in with his ears pinned and he was all bowed up and he kinda pushed that other little smaller eight point out to feed and as he was feeding around he finally worked his way around there to present the shot and I told him, I said, let him have it and our video was on and everything and he shot and sung a mule kick and took off with his tail down and we high fived each other and all. It was just cool to do and um, we went to watching back on the video and the initial look, it looked like he hit the deer real high and I was like, Oh my god, I said, You hit that deer super high, like how did how did you do that? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't he's like, I don't know. He said, I'm I'm held he was quartering two a little bit he said i <laughs> i just put it in the point of that shoulder and pulled the trigger i said well you you like skinned him like high because the way the arrow when you're slowing that video down you can see how that arrow the tail end of it was facing to the right which it should have been facing to the left i was like 
you freaking skipped off the back of that deer into something. That ain't good. So then we, we're watching as I swap windows when the deer runs off, you can see where he's bleeding and he's just, he's got the big cut from that G5 mega meat that if we hadn't seen it before, they cannot tote. No, can't pack that. Right behind, right behind his front shoulder. And I said, no, he, he smoked. But before we did saw that, it looked like them just going back and forth, back and forth. We just started to get in our own heads, really. I was like, no, you hit that deer low. Look, look, you hit him low. Because when the deer mule kicked, all the skin stretched. And it looked like he hit him low in back. And I was like, he's like, well, go get my arrow. He said, it's right there. I said, no, let's just give him time. Let's just give him time and let him lay. He's like, go get my arrow. And we can see it. We can at least see where... Uh, we can at least see, uh, look at the arrow and smell it and or whatever. I said, all right. So I opened that little stand and I climbed down. As soon as my feet hit the ground, all about four or five deer jumped up from the left and they took off out in front of us out toward the road that we can see. And uh, I said, well, he just jumped up. I said, there he is. And I said, look. And he looked and you can see him running out in front of that box stand that we had just shot from about 150, 200 yards in front of us. And he was... All the rest of them just bolted across there where he was a little bit slower than the other ones. And I said, I, he's gut shot. So I got the arrow and got back and stand. And sure enough, it, it had blood on it and all. And at the shot site, it was just that dark red and just real gritty looking blood. I said, yeah. I said, you, you hit that deer in the liver and probably exited the guts. And uh, I said, we need to give him time. What a deer ended up going out in front of us about 200 yards and he lays down on the side of the road and he's just staring at us in that box stand i'm like this ain't good <laughs> so we're looking we're looking at him through the binoculars daddy's he's beating himself up he like i'm not joking he's literally to the point where he's about to throw up in his stand and I'm like, do not. I'm sitting there, I'm telling him, like, do not throw up in this man's stand. <laughs> I said, he said, I can't. I'm, I'm sick. I can't help it. He said, I'm, I'm about to throw up. I said, if you're going to throw up, I said, go ahead, open the back door and just <laughs> splatter it on the ground or do whatever you're going to do. I said, but do not throw up in this man's good stand. <laughs> and. I'm looking at the deer. I said, he ain't bleeding out of his mouth, and I can't see where he's hit at. I said, I, this ain't good. Well, my little brother was supposed to be coming to get us here shortly after. And so I called him. I said, hey, I said, do not drive that truck down the road. I said, the deer, he, daddy just shot a good deer. I said, he's laying about 10 feet off the road. I said, just don't even drive here. You're going to bump him. Well, while I'm on the phone with him and daddy's still over there choking and crap trying not to <laughs> up and looking at the arrow and smelling the arrow and like one part of it just smells like blood cavity and then the other part of it smells like crap i'm like so yeah it, i mean you would automatically think gut shot so I'm like man well we look up and the deer's gone i'm like oh my god he's not there anymore i'm like he said did he lay down like did he just fall over and i'm looking and i'm looking and i'm i'm i've done stood up in that stand i'm looking all different ways. i'm like no, I said, the deer ain't there. He's gone. And, oh, God, here he goes. <laughs> it ain't funny because I know the feeling. I said, oh, that's the worst feeling. I said, come on. I said, let's just, I said, let's just go ahead and get out of this stand. 
and get you some fresh air. Well, he started trying to blame it on a heartburn and this. And I'm like, no. I said, you don't work yourself up so much over this deer. I said, just let it be and just just give him time. You know, he knows this of all people that we can't just go charging in there after him right now. Well, he was ready to go, son. He was he was raring and chomping at the bits. Let's just go follow the blood trail. I'm like, no, daddy, we we gonna jump him. He said, no, he ain't. We know he ain't right there. We can at least track him 200 and just see what the blood looks like. And I said, all right. So we went to walking, and it was just that gut stuff. Well, come to find out the gut that we were smelling on the air. I mean, we got this air touching our nose, sniffing it in this deer stand. Come to find out the gut part of that little bit part of that air that we were smelling gut on was that pile of steamy cow crap it run through on the back <laughs> that we had. <laughs> Uh, yeah he said we've been sniffing cow crap the whole time all in our face i said yeah i said so we went to walking and it was the blood didn't look too good at at the time and not i don't know 20 yards into it we seen i seen a big hunk of something and we get up there and it's a big hunk of freaking lung laying there i said oh he's dead i said he can't we walk a little further, and he's starting to just dump, just a, laying a carpet out for us. We walk a little further, and there's another huge hunk of lung. I said, well, that's two hunks of lung now that he's done fell out, dropped out. And I said, he, he can't go far. We made it all the way around to the second bed, and we're looking. We can see where blood trail goes into this little mesquite thicket. And uh, I said, he's in that thicket. We need to just back out and let him lay. We'll come back later on this evening to get him. And... Well, we went to the stand to get our stuff and went to walking back down the road to my little brother. And we was walking from a different angle and I seen something. It looked like a deer laying there. I said, let me see that thing, that crossbow. And I picked it up and looked through the scope. I said, there he is right there. He's dead as a hammer. He wasn't 30 yards from that second bed. We just couldn't see him from the angle we were on. And we walked up there. We got him then, I don't know, 20 yards of him. He went G.I. Joe style on him and had him at gunpoint, and I'm going to shoot him again. I'm like, no, don't shoot him again. He's dead. He's like, if he's so much twitches, I'm shooting, so don't get in front of me. <laughs> I said, all right. I said, well, walk up there. And I videoed him walking up there, and I said, he can't make it with half his lung hanging out of his chest right there. It was still hanging out. And uh, sure enough, he killed him. He was really good deer. Like so that deer was, was old, wasn't he? Five, five and a half, six? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's probably five and a half, six and a half years old. He had really good mass, dark chocolate horns. He just wasn't real wide didn't have much time length. He was just a good deer to kill. And um he was stoked for him and I was it was it was just a good time. Like I said, being able to be there and video it and just kind of return the favor. It was it was pretty cool because I can't tell you how many deer that daddy's passed up and let us shoot that he could have very well killed himself, so it was it was cool to return the favor. Yeah, that's a and, good. Uh, Did y'all weigh that deer, Chase? Yeah, like I said, uh, no, we didn't weigh him, but he was probably he's probably one sixty five, hundred and seventy somewhere. He's a big bodied deer. Yeah, well, they got two different species at that part we were hunting. They got the native that they call it, and the Lano breed. The Lano breed, they're mature five year old bucks will be a 140, 145-inch deer, and they'll top out the scales at, like, 130. Like, they're they're little bitty. Lano's the deer capital and, uh, of Texas. 
Yeah, well, their breed is like little, little bitty, 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 bitty deer. Like 100, 130 pounds is a, is a big Lano deer. That's so weird. It is. It's very weird. And then when they, like a 115-inch deer looks like bullwinkle because <laughs> they're so small. But he was a good one to kill, like I said. And he killed a doe, my little brother did. And I went home with tag suit, but I was – I was satisfied with it, and I was pretty content. Yep, still, I was too. The last the last still, couple of years, I had to tag suit. I was happy because brother got to kill, and Wickers killed two nice deer while we were hunting up there. He killed a good deer this year. That deer was two hundred and thirty pounds. Big they corn killed, fed deer. Like we, we had fourteen hunters in camp, and I think they killed twenty twenty eight deer in that three day weekend. Jeez, Jeez you can't beat them odds. Nope. One went one one went bumping one fifty and then uh probably twelve or thirteen of them anywhere from one thirty to one forty five. That was uh, that wide one you sent us a picture of in the back of the truck, what was that one? He was like he was I think they did like one forty eight, one forty nine, something like that. Yeah, that was that was a hammer of a deer in the back of that truck. Yeah. That's a good place, man. That over at Heart of Texas bow hunting with Kevin, it's he's got it going on for sure. I'm trying to talk to wife, and I got my license already, so I'm trying to talk her and let me go back. Uh, let me go back for the toward the end of the season and try to seal the deal. But I don't. How know, much man. is a license over there? Uh, three, three forty. That for your bow tag. Yeah, three forty, and that—that's a combo tag. Buck yeah, yeah, uh, and then over there on there, on his hunts and all, you can kill a buck, two does, and then all the pigs that you want and all. And so it's a good deal. Like I said it. We had fun. I did get to draw back on a big boar, and I know uh, I learned one thing over there at least: kissing at a pig to make him stop don't work either <laughs> brother can tell you about trying to smooch the one and make him stop remember the the doe you met <laughs> oh yeah 20 yards and we just talked about that ground, she was 60 yards from the tree we just talked about that yesterday chase <laughs> a couple of years ago i was hunting out of my saddle in there uh on the same lease that that we're hunting now and we're hunting like this pine oak transition where the deer kind of filter out through this this uh mature ponds and i had a couple does come in there and i remember this doe was like gray almost jet black i'm like oh man that'd be awesome she was 16 years old oh yeah she was old as hell so i drew back and i got anchored and they're probably 22 yards something like that and i dude this doe all (laughs) four of her feet left the ground and she took off and I, she may still be running. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I've never seen off. a deer leave like that. <laughs> like some, somebody has definitely tried to stop her like that and shoot her before. She she has been that route, I can tell you. Well, this pig here, he was 200 plus, and he went out there in that corn when I was leaned over as far as I could. And I just did like that, or didn't even do it twice, just like that to try to just make him stop so I can punch the trigger. And 
As soon as I did that, so he looked like a bull running like a bloop, 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 bloop. Gone, son. That's funny. It's like they got this internal will to live. Yep. But Yeah. Well, season's just getting good for around the house now. Here in the next month or two, it's going to get just progressively better. So it ain't over yet. Like I said, I have. I, I'm not. I ain't skunked. I killed a doe, but. I'd like to get some some bone in my hands, but yeah. Over the last three four years for this area, uh, well, our lease and Robert for sure. Our trail cameras. Oh, actually, me and Colt were talking about it. Uh, was it Sunday evening? We're out uh, yesterday evening. So uh, out there, we have like a November lull. Like everything's shifted a month back. Like we had good buck movement, good deer movement on camera early in the season. And then as soon as November hits, it's like it just dries up completely. But from everything I've seen on trail cameras about, about uh, I don't know, Thanksgiving, somewhere in there, in the first week of December, you should start seeing your bucks show back up. I think they own, yeah. I think they go to the acorns this time of the year. Yeah, I think so, too. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday, cold action. Because it never fails. Like that first week of November, you quit getting pictures. And just quit seeing deer movement at all, unless you, you know, kind of. Well, not only not only that too. I think in this and during the time that we in right now, I think a lot of your deer are they've already split most of them, yeah. But I think they're really starting to to gain their dominance and start claiming their territory and all of that. And I, I think that they're not they're still coming to feed sites some just checking to see what all kind of inventory they got. But I think a lot of them is really cruising and, and running other bucks off that they don't want in that area during this time. Yeah. Cause we haven't seen a single buck on, on anywhere we've had bait, but that's the thing though, is that they have to eat. Yeah. They're eating something. It's just a matter of going out there and finding right. it. So I was thinking about that actually. Right. And then, uh, probably this weekend coming up, I know Colt's going to be kind of in and out. So I may try to do some, uh, some hanging hunts in there and, Go scout some of the oaks and get on there on the creek and just see what I can see. And if they are hitting the acorns hard, then yeah. you know should be right in the chips. But and if they just if they just cruising and, and just checking to see what does they have and all that, um, because here I, I think we have. Mul- I mean, I know for a fact we have multiple ruts. No, that's a fact. I think some of them does. I think some of them does come in now. And then some of them's in late December, and some of them's in February. Yep. So even if they are just cruising, checking them does, they don't have to come to them feed source. They don't have to come in front of that camera. They'll just come downwind, scent check it, or visually look, and just keep rolling. Yeah, I got a couple scrape spots in mind that I found uh, this summer up there, kind of along that creek and stuff that I'm going to check out and see if anything's been opened back up. Because we've had a few scrapes open up around – uh, especially my stand in there had one or two kind of pop up. So I think they're starting to get the itch, but it's just a matter of finding them, finding what they're eating and browsing on and trying to get something. Oh yeah. But we still got the best hunting for us, uh, still ahead of us. I know it seems like the season's over after our trips, but it's really just starting to get going for us. Yeah, I'm kind of down in the dumps, but it's all. Yeah, I was talking to you today about that. When you when you come home, 
Like you come. Yeah, it's kind of like even when I go to even when I go on an early season hunt and I'm up there in September, deer season ain't even started here, and I come home and it's like, well, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hopefully, we got some more stories to tell though, because I'll be packing my bow. I know uh, uh, primitive weapons open now, but. I mean, bow's about primitive as you can get, so I'm going to keep packing old Hoyt and see what else I can down this year with it. Yeah, rifle opens Saturday. That's right. That's crazy. Yep. Sure does. Yeah, well, I'll still be, be carrying my bow, too. Yeah, I still got a buck of choice and a doe tag left, so I don't know, man. They, oh, I mean, a buck of choice and a, yeah, either a doe or or. You got two bucks buck. left, or you got a doe and a buck left? Yep. I'll probably do two bucks. <laughs> First little four-point. First little four-point comes out, and he's probably not in the safe zone. No, that weird deer over there, I might just go on and be done with my little Louisiana hunting. Depends on how you act. That's a lot better if you just go ahead and do that. If you just go ahead and get done with it and shoot your three tags because they still don't think we have enough deer in Area 4 to release us back to our six, then it's a lot better to go ahead and just kill your deer now and you ain't got to no, worry I go back it. to fishing. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do that. Area 9, it was just Area 4 and 9 that – were put to three after the flood. Area nine's back up to six this year, I've seen in the pamphlet. And they left us at three for some reason. Well, I should get to kill all the ones I didn't kill last year, so I'm due 12 this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they ought to refund us. Yeah, they ought to. You just like rollover minutes on your cell phone. If you don't use them, they ought to bank up. That way, when you do have a good year and everything's going good. You just kill them. So speaking of that, have yep. y'all seen? Well, look, fellas, this. Uh... Oh, what were we saying, Chase? No, I was just saying this phone was starting to get low on power myself. Yeah, uh, we're about to cut it off. But have, have y'all seen the that they're doing a experimental bear season next year? Yeah, I've seen that. But it's going to be a draw, and it's going to be just about impossible for you to draw. Yeah, you know how many tags are given out? Like, uh, it's very little. Ten. Uh, well, yeah, ten. Yeah, I know it was something stupid. <laughs> Isn't that retarded? That's how yeah. stupid our state is. They're going to give out ten bear tags. Then out of that ten, probably yeah, only are, two a kill. You, you know how many nuisance bears that they've killed? Way more than ten. Yep. yep. They just they had to go in Port Allen and kill hey, one. We, they had one in Prairieville showed up somewhere. They had to go kill it. Like, <laughs> golly. Oh, man. What I don't understand is for the past 25 years, they've been trapping them and hauling them in here, and now they want us to start killing them. Right? Yeah. So I don't It's almost that. like it's a bad thing. Go ask Yellowstone how the wolves are going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 